Good morning. It is so nice to see each of you here this morning. I have a few announcements actually this morning before we begin. The first is today is a fifth Sunday, which means it will be book club night for all of you who have been brave enough to read N.T. Wright's Surprised by Hope. Even if you didn't get through it, but you would like to listen in on the conversation, that will be at five o'clock today at the Bakery District. Just come to where the Bookish Bookstore used to be and you'll see us and we'll guide you along the way. That will be about an hour-long conversation this evening. Also, there are Bibles on the table outside the chapel uh, for you to mark your favorite passage because our high school graduates will be receiving those Bibles next Sunday at a reception in our parlor at 10 a.m. Uh, next Sunday. Don't all turn and stare at him at once, but Harold Powell is one of them. Okay, turn and stare at him at once. He's one of our graduates, a child of this church. Next Sunday, 10 a.m., please come for the reception and honoring of those graduates. Also, this is a save the date uh, situation. You will see on the back of your bulletin as well. The Pates McDonald Music Series is returning May 21st at 3 p.m. There will be a classical guitarist and vocalist um, as our concert, free concert, that day. Also, we passed out over 30 paper sacks last week with the help of Rose. If you were here, those sacks full of non-perishable food are to be back in worship uh, this next Sunday. So please, if you took a sack last week, please return it either sometime this week to the office or next Sunday to worship. We will be blessing those sacks. Prissy Buchanan has an announcement for us this morning. Um, along with uh, Diana McAdams, we are co-moderators for the women's ministry. And as, as I was working on what I wanted to say to you this morning, it dawned on me that the only time I get up here to say something to you, it seems to always be about food. Uh, first the bake sale, and now our women's spring celebration luncheon, which is formerly known as our birthday luncheon. So <clears throat> here I am once again talking about food. I'm inviting every woman in our church to the women's spring celebration luncheon to be held Tuesday, May the 9th, at noon in our fellowship hall. The purpose of this luncheon is to do just that, celebrate another successful year of giving to our various charities, election of our new officers for the 23-24 year, and to name our Lifetime Achievement Award. As I said, this is a luncheon for every woman in this church, regardless of your participation on committees, your membership in one of the circles, or just the fact that you, uh, you show up here on Sundays. Everyone is invited, and we would love to see all of you there. If you plan to attend, we would ask that you call the church to make a reservation by Friday, May the 5th. The cost is $10. It's noon on May the 9th. We look forward to seeing each and every one of you there. Thank you. Thank you, Prissy. Final announcement, May Proclaimers are out. They are at the entrances. You'll want to take one as you leave. Let us worship God.
Listen to these words from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Let us pray. Holy God, as we gather for worship today, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit and the testimony of the saints who came before us, we might be bound together anew as one people, brothers and sisters to each other, sharing in all things, caring together, loving together, and serving together. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let us sing together the words of Psalm, or hymn 15.
please remain standing as we confess our sins before God and one another. There is a prayer printed in your bulletin on your screens. Let us pray. Lord, hear our prayers as we confess our sin to you. You know us best, so you know that we are often full of pride and empty of love. You know that we fail to love our neighbor and we fail to love you. You know that we waste what is precious and focus instead on what is unimportant. Forgive us, we pray. Turn us from our sin and bring us close to you again. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen. My friends, who is in a position to condemn? It is only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has come. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Now let us sing to God's glory. be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. We pray that you would illuminate our path this day. May the words read and proclaimed become a light to our way forward. It is in your name we pray. Amen. We have been in 1 Corinthians for a couple of weeks now, and I want to read to you today from chapter 8. And I want to say something about it before I do, because it's a very foreign concept to us. If you have been in Phil's class the last several weeks, you know far more about this than you ever thought you would, but for the rest of us, just very briefly, in the city of Corinth and in other cities like it, what we know is that if you were of certain status and standing, you might go to great banquets um, that were networking opportunities, friend and fellowship opportunities, and that at those banquets, often what was served was meat that had been blessed and given to gods and goddesses in the, in the temples before they came to this banquet. And people are eating the meat. Some in the congregation see no problem in it, and some have a big, big problem with it. And this seems absolutely foreign to us, but Paul is asked about it, and so responds to the question, and I want us to listen to his response. It has more to do with us than we might think. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, 
We all know all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge. But anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, whom, for whom all things exist and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge, since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Just one second. It will not become a stumbling block to the weak. Four. If others see you who possess knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? Paul is hard. So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. This is the word of the Lord. I've mentioned to you before that I uh, weekly, in this room actually, lead a short chapel time with the four-year-olds at our preschool. I've mentioned that before. Last week they were in here, and I was telling them the Bible story of when Saul gets converted to be Paul. And uh, let me just tell you, they were enthralled with my teaching. Uh, I held them in my hand. Their focus was so great. And at one point I said something like, and then, oh my gosh, Saul fell off his horse. And as I said this, a small voice cried out, oh no, Pastor Tasha, you just said a bad word. It was a little girl named Lillian, right up here. And she looked distraught. Now, I don't know much, but I do know that the word gosh is not a bad word. I know that. And I know that there are many words I could have said that would have moved closer and closer to bad, and I did not use them. I know that far badder words have been used in the Bible, in her home, and perhaps in that very classroom last week. I know those things. And when I opened my mouth, I said, I am so sorry, Lillian. What I meant to say was, oh my goodness. Okay. This is a very simplistic example of what Paul is talking about with the Corinthian congregation. He is discussing eating meat, as I said to you, that's been dedicated to pagan gods and goddesses. 
and it sounds like it has nothing to do with us. But at its heart, this is about how knowledge is great, and you may even know that you are right, but in a congregation, it is not knowledge that is going to strengthen the community. Knowledge puffs up, Paul says, but love builds up. Here is another example. If you've been in Phil's class these last couple weeks, you know this example, but to share it with all of us, it is something as practical and commonplace as communion trays. I want you to picture them in your head right now with those tiny little cups in their tiny little holes. In some churches, you well know that the tray is full of small cups of wine, right? And in some congregations, the outer ring is wine and the inner rings are grape juice. And in our congregation, all those little cups are full of what? Grape juice. You probably don't even question this, but on the face of it, it is an odd practice because any one of you could come into my office this week, please don't do this, but any one of you could come in and you could say, I know for a fact, Tasha, that Jesus did not pour Welch's grape juice for his disciples. I know it. And I know that they drank wine. I know the, lost, the Lord's Supper has been offered with wine only for almost 2,000 years. And I know that even in our own tradition, it has only recently changed. I know these things you could say to me. And you would be right. You know. So why do we fill the cups with grape juice? You know the answer. We fill them with grape juice because we don't want people to have to come here and choose between sobriety and communion. We don't want them to be worrying in worship if they're going to grab the wrong cup, and we don't want that cup to be a reason someone feels they can't worship Jesus here. They can't be part of this Christian community. We do it because love builds up. Okay, the trays are not a perfect overlay to what Paul is talking about here, but it does get to a couple of really important things I want you to consider. First, Paul's not talking about being considerate to the young or to someone who is simple. It's not about placating someone who is not quite as sophisticated as you are, as patronizing them. That's not what this is about. It's about people who are on the same path of faith, but they just might be in a different part of it at any given time. And second, this is not being worried that you will offend someone. That's not what this is about. Any one of us can be offended on any given day, and, and Paul himself is fairly offensive at times. This is about something deeper than offense. That, that can't necessarily be worried about. It is about our actions knocking someone completely off the path of faith. Paul writes a difficult thing when he says in verse 11 that if we aren't careful, our knowledge can cause believers, as he puts it, to be destroyed. Our knowledge, what we know is right, could cause believers 
to be destroyed. In my house, in my car, I have all the knowledge, just ask the family, right? In my house, in my car, I am right. But when I come in here, when I become part of the Christian community, the most important thing is no longer me, but we. The most important thing, and it is love that builds that up. So, I've given two examples. I gave the little Lillian example. I gave the grape juice example, and they help us. They do. They start to get a little bit at why Paul talks about this for three chapters. Three chapters he talks about this idle meat problem. But there is still something missing. These examples are too safe. Too safe. What Paul wants us to understand here should get far more into our kitchens than those examples do. So here is a third. You may have wondered in our life together why neither Phil nor I have ever stood before you and commended a political candidate or spoken against a political candidate or commended a voting issue or spoken against a voting issue, perhaps you have been grateful we haven't. Perhaps you have wished we would. On a personal level, you should know I wrestle with this all the time. Because, I mean, I know. <laughs> I know what is happening in this state and in this country, and I, and I know I have strong thoughts about all of it, and I know my thoughts are the correct ones. That's how opinions work, right? I know. I know. And I have my rights. It's my right to do it. It's not a sin to do it. But I will not do it. I will not do it. This community is not about me. It is about we. And if my pronouncements would knock even one person off the path of Jesus, then I have become, as Paul puts it, a stumbling block. This is not about someone might be offended. It is more than that. If it were to knock someone off the path of Jesus, to destroy them, Knowledge is good. Being right is great. But it is love that builds up. It is love that builds us up. I will speak bluntly now. Paul knew nothing of the Bill of Rights. He knew nothing of the Bill of Rights, and even if he did know about it, he would not have cared. Not when it comes down to this. We speak of rights and freedoms all the time. I have the right we might stomp our foot and behave badly as we announce it. I have the right we might say as we post that message to Facebook. I have the right as we tell the body joke or spill all the gossip about our neighbor, and you do have the right. You have the right. You do. But here... Here, your rights take a back seat if they are going to destroy someone's faith. 
Paul knows he can eat all the idol meat he wants. He knows that. He knows idols don't exist. Gods and goddesses, they're nothing. But he goes so far as to declare that if it hurts someone's faith, not only will he not eat idol meat, he won't eat meat at all. He is basically saying to us, Christ died for the person sitting next to you, and you can't even change your diet? Or erase that post? Or watch your mouth? You can't even curb your drinking? You can't even watch your step? It's a good question. It's a good question because there is no us and them, not in here. Not in here. Those others, those them, they are your family. Jesus did that. Blame him if you want. But in Jesus, we became brothers and sisters to each other, which means we are responsible for each other. Which means me is less important than we. Knowledge is never going to bring us together. Demanding to be right is never going to do it. It is love that builds up. It's a tricky thing to talk about in our setting. We Americans are probably no more proud of anything than we are of our rights, of our freedoms, and, and every right we should be, right? People have suffered for those rights, died for those rights. They are incredibly important. But hear me when I say that as incredibly important as they are in Jesus' community, they have to take a backseat to love. You have the right to do many things. You have the right. But is it the loving thing to do? Does it build up the we? Much of the turmoil and the dissonance we see in our country right now is a whole lot of rights and not a lot of love. We can follow that path if we want. Or we can fall into that path if we aren't careful, but we see where it leads. Or we can work to be different here. We can ask ourselves over and over, is there something in my life that is puffed up rather than building up? Is there some way that I am living that could harm the we? I said at the beginning of this sermon that I had those preschoolers' rapt attention, right? That I, that I was holding them in my hand. And if you have ever met a four-year-old, you know that partly that was not true. I think less than half of them were listening. And partly it is the truest thing I could ever say. I held them in my hand. I, I cannot let them fall. I cannot allow any disillusion or, or dissuasion from Jesus' call for their life. I cannot do it. And this is not just about a pastor and a four-year-old. It is true for each one of us. You hold everyone here in your hand. 
and everyone here holds you in their hand. This idol meat thing has everything to do with us, <laughs> has everything to do with the us of us. Because you are right. Of course, I know you are right. Pick the subject. You are right. You probably are. I, I know you are. You know you are. You know you are right. And? <laughs> and? We cannot let one another fall. And it is love that builds us up. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, on this day, we gather as one people, grateful for the love that you have brought into the world and into our lives through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is his love which has transformed our lives. It is his love which has given us grace at moments of sinfulness, his love which has given us moments of hope in the midst of despair, his love which has given us strength in moments of weakness, and it is his love that we share with one another. It is his love that we show, his love that we sacrifice ourselves to, it is his live love that builds up this community into one body, brothers and sisters to one another. It is in love that we gather in worship. It is in love that we pray and discern. It is in love that we study. It is in love that we serve. It is in love. The love of Jesus Christ which dwells in our hearts and is reflected in the love that we share as one people it is Christ's love for which we give you thanks this day. And it is in love that we consider the troubles and difficulties of the world around us. We know that throughout this world, people are racked by poverty. They live in fear of violence. They have succumbed to the bitterness of political ideologies. And we take this moment now of silent prayer to pray that your spirit of love would be in all the broken places of this world which are upon our hearts today. It is in love, O oh Lord, that we care and worry for one another and for those important people in our lives. 
We ask for healing for those who are sick. We ask for refuge for those who are adrift. We ask for sanctuary for those who are afraid. And we take this moment to lift our prayers for particular people and situations, both aloud and in the silence of our hearts. Loving God, we thank you this day for the love that we experience in our lives, the love of family and friends, the love which is reflected in your beautiful and good creation, the love we find within your church. And we take this moment now to offer our silent prayers of gratitude to you this day. O Lord, we pray that you would hear all of our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As you know, we do not pass offering plates these days. If you wish to give to the work of the church, there's baskets at every exit, and there is also a code on your screen. In the interim, please receive this offering of music.
Let us pray. O Lord, we give you thanks for the many blessings you have bestowed upon us, and we return our humble tithes and offerings to you, that they may be used for your glory in this place and throughout your world. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you, and may the Lord give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen. Please remain standing as we receive the choral benediction.
peace of Christ be with you. Please greet one another in his name.